I had a friend, he got for his boss, he got for his boss to put in his office this sign which said, two rules of the class, oh, the classroom, the teacher, the, um, two rules of the workplace. It said, number one, the boss is always right. And it had number two, and it said, if the boss is ever wrong, see rule number one. <laughs> so we have um, Plex. You know, submission to authority is a um, complex issue, and especially in all its details. And um, I'm not going to look at every aspect of it today, but in, in Shimon Kepha, or Simon Peter, his first epistle, beginning with chapter 2, verse 13, he talks about submission to authority. Well, what do you do regarding a, a king or a ruler? And um, let's think not so, we, today we think mainly of constitutional monarchies, where it's mainly honor, but um, through most of history, kings actually didn't, what is it called? They didn't just reign, they ruled. So they actually had authority. I mean, today the British, um, when the British Prime Minister's party loses an election, they, um, I mean, the people voted them out, but they still go, th they go through the motions of saying, I will, the next day, I will submit my resignation to Her Majesty, the King, or the Queen. So um, they have a lot of formality. We live in the days of constitutional monarchies, but uh, through most of history, there have been, if not absolute monarchies, they've had real authority. So what do you do regarding a king or a leader? Well, you can say, well, you, you submit to them. Well, yes, but it is not always such a simple matter, especially when we deal with kings and other civil authorities. Shimon Kepha deals with submission to human authorities, and we're, we're, deal, we're, we're dealing with people who are not necessarily perfect ourselves, themselves, just as we aren't. In his first epistle, chapter 2, verse 13, he says, For the sake of the Lord, submit yourselves to every human authority, whether to the emperor as being supreme, and then we'll go into more detail in the next verse, but it says to every human authority, whether we like it or not, and we tend to like it, we tend to like it if we agree with what the authority says, we like it, oh, that's great, if you agreed with them anyway, you're willing to submit to them, but whether we like it or not, when Shimon Kepha mentions being subject to or submitting, he means the submission to an authority, and this usually entails actual obedience to that authority. Roman, in Romans 13, Rav Shaul addresses a similar addresses this theme. He says, everyone is to be obedient to governing authorities, for there is no authority that is not from God, and the existing authorities have been placed where they are by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities is resisting what God has instituted, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are no terror to good conduct, but to bad. Who would you like to be unafraid of the person in authority? Then simply do what is good and you will win his approval. For he is God's servant. There for your benefit. But if you do what is wrong, be afraid. Because it is not for nothing that he holds the power of the sword. For he is God's servant. There is an avenger to punish wrongdoers. Another reason to obey besides for a punishment is for sake of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's public officials, constantly attending to these duties. Pay everyone what he is owed. If you owe the tax collector, pay your taxes. If you owe the revenue collector, pay revenue. If you owe someone respect, pay him respect. If you owe someone honor, pay him honor. 
must have been even more, maybe I should have waited until close to April 15th to actually do this, but regarding the revenue collector. It's God's will that we be subjected to human authorities. You know, sometimes we, we've, in our spiritualness, we say, I don't have any problem with God. I have trouble with, trouble with men. Well, God has put men, meaning people, men and women, in positions of authority. In 1 Corinthians 15, 28, it says, Now when everything has been subjected to the Son, then he will subject himself to God who subjected everything to him, so that God may be everything in everyone. As in Romans 13, in the Romans 13 passage, Rav Shoal uses the same word for submission as Kepha uses in, back in 1 Kepha 2.13. The fact is that submission here is commanded, but it says to every human institution and authority. It means there is, we'll see examples of this later, Later in chapter 2, there's a broader application than just the civil authorities, although such governmental institutions are what Kepha is focusing on primarily in verse 13, 2.13. They're significant social, social institutions in all societies. But Kepha starts with government. Loyal submission to civil rulers is God's will, the proper use of freedom is not to do as we like, but to use it as conscious and willing servants, or to be more blunt, the same terminology is bond slaves of God. By freely choosing to be law-abiding and showing reverence for God and respect for abiding the powers that be. And we may, so we, we're thinking, but what, what about this authority is a real jerk? Well, if, if everyone loved and it was easy to submit, there'd be no reason to command people to do it. Kepha's reference to, in this context, the king or emperor is, in all likelihood, he probably doesn't have one specific emperor in mind. Nor does he probably have in mind a particular dynasty, such as existed in the domain of first century Rome, the, um, the um, what do they usually call the first, the, the Julian Claudio, Claudio dynasty, you know, starting with Julius Caesar and through, through Nero. So, I mean, the authorities at the top that they were dealing with were not the most wonderful authorities, the, the greatest people to deal with. But he's probably thinking more broadly than just one ruler or one dynasty. He's probably encouraging godly submission to the supreme authority and government, whoever that may happen to be, at any particular time or place. That's, that's one reason why we, one of the prayers we recite after, at the end of the Kriyat Torah service, we recite a prayer for the civil authorities. In, back in our main text, 1 Kepha 2.14, so we talked about submitting to that to the emperor supreme, it says, or to governors as being sent by him to punish wrongdoers and praise those who do what is good. So submission to the supreme authority, the emperor, the king, the president, the prime minister, whatever system you live under, but submitting way off in this capital, in the city of Jerusalem, or in Rome, or in Washington, or any Canadians here in Ottawa, and no, Mexico City, I don't mean anyone ancestry other countries, but um, to short, 
shift them, but submitting to those authorities, my people who have been to the Tsar way off, hopefully staying way off in Moscow or in um, submission, or maybe it was Petrograd at the time. Anyway, um, submission to the, the supreme authority way off is one thing. At least in our day-to-day -day affairs, we're free to do as we please. I mean, how often, how many of us deal with the president or with Congress or the governor um, on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, Baruch Hashem, we have been, especially in our system, given a great deal of individual autonomy, practically speaking. Yet the submission which pleases God goes beyond the relatively far away, not so well-known king, emperor, etc., we're called to be subject, our, subject ourselves also to more local authorities in this verse, verse 14, with whom we may be far more familiar, or who may have such a stronger day-to-day -day influence upon us. I sound like I just got a speeding ticket or something, but um, they may have more influence upon us. It may even be the case that their greater proximity to us may mean that we have, are more familiar with some of their own imperfections. So I've never had a speeding ticket, by the way, but as far as running a red light, no comment. Um, <laughs> such, such are some of the tribulations we have to endure. The provincial governors and other state or provincial officials, they're to be regarded not as merely deriving their authority by commission from the king, but rather as sharing in the divine commission which the king has. The civil government was responsible not only for our well-being, citizens' well-being, but also for our moral well-being, which that can be really hard when you think. I mean, I don't, I don't think our leaders are so moral. You may say. The punishment spoken of here, it's talking about in the verse punishing wrongdoers. The punishment here implies vengeance upon a wrongdoer. The same term is used in Hebrews 10, 30 and 31. It says, for the one we know is the one who said, vengeance is my responsibility, I will repay, and then said, Adonai will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Same term is used here. Now, points should be made here. As a general rule, at least, the kind, the kind of vengeance being described here by Kepha in chapter 2 of his first epistle, it's not permitted to individuals who are not proper representatives of legitimate civil authorities who are not the proper dis delegated dispensers of that vengeance, if you want to call it. Romans 12, 14 and following talks about this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them, but don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be sensitive to each other's needs. Don't think yourselves better than others, but make humble people your friends. Don't be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but try to do what everyone regards as good. If possible, and to the extent that it depends on you, live in peace with all people. Never seek revenge, my friends. Instead, leave that to God's anger. For in Tanakh, it is written, Adonai says, vengeance is my responsibility. I will repay. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap fiery coals of shame on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. So the, the true follower of Messiah Yeshua must strive to keep his hands clean in this matter. So 
So the vengeance spoken of is properly delegated by those with the divine commission. In our main text, 1 Kepha 2.15, it says, For it is God's will that your doing good should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So with, why all this emphasis on proper submission to authority? Why the application may not always be so simple. The basic rationale is, for thus is the will of God. What if God's will entails some suffering on our part? In chapter 3 of the same epistle, Kepha 3.17, he says, For if God has in fact willed that you should suffer, it is better that you suffer for doing what is good than for doing what is evil. What if I have entails some tribulation to submit to less than perfect authorities? Well, it is better that you suffer for, for submission and doing what is right than for to suffer for doing what is wrong. But if you suffer even while doing God's will, in whom can you trust? It, then in progressing to chapter 4, verse 19 of 1st Kepha, it says, so let, 419, so let those who are suffering according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator by continuing to do what is good. Now we have, we have, such, we have, and we need to be thankful for, Baruch Hashem, when, that we have, often have um, appellate courts, areas of appeal, places for redress of grievances. So we at least have some potential. We don't always thrilled with the result, but for appealing that when we, when we are not thrilled with what we receive from our authorities. Well, what can we expect to accomplish by this submission, which Hashem expects from us? Well, Shimon Kepha writes about just that in verse 15. What do, you, what do we often want to do? It talks about silencing those by doing in the, the verse, uh, what did it say? Silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. What do we often want to do to someone who rambles on and on with some worthless babbling? Hopefully that won't be how you describe this drasha, but we think that we want to kill such a person. But I do not think that we are so cruel. When they don't shut up and shek it, does not do any good. We want to muzzle them. And that is what we do if we live according to the revealed will of God in the matter of submission, we do actually muzzle them. It's talking about muzzling those who, by mus muzzling or silence should, talking about silencing the English talk, basically muzzling the people, foolish talk. M for M we could call a group, muzzlers for Mashiach. <laughs> this muzzling is what Mashiach did to the storm in Mark Chapter 4, 435, it says, That day when evening had come, Yeshua said to them, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him just as he was in the boat. And there were other boats with him. A furious windstorm arose, and the waves broke over the boats that it was close to being swamped. But he was in the stern on a cushion asleep. They woke him and said to him, Rabbi, doesn't it matter to you that we're about to be killed? He awoke, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Be quiet, be still. The wind subsided, and there was a dead calm. He did that. He muzzled a demon in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. 
one of the Tzedukim in Matityahu 2234, sometimes these were by saying be quiet, but sometimes they were by, by actions. These sorts of muzzling mitzvot are expected of us, although our muzzling activity may be a bit more gradual in its effects. Regarding the ignorance of foolish people, which Kepha mentions, the blameless behavior of God's people will indeed put them to silence. So the, our blameless behavior will be what muzzles those who speak ignorantly. If not in the present age, although it might be, should they become reflective enough in the day of visitation. So what will be muzzled? The ignorance of foolish men, Kepha says. We sometimes have to endure irrational slander from people who are wise in their own eyes, but are in reality ignoramuses. <laughs> their evil tongue, Lashon Hara, this ignorant talk was mentioned in Kepha verse, in verse 12. The slander is that which obedient Messianic Jews can silence. In verse 16 of our main text, 1 Kepha 2.16, it says, Submit as people who are free, but not letting your freedom serve as an excuse for evil. Rather, submit as God's slaves. It's God's will that we be free. Of course, in the fourth gospel, in Yohanan 8.32, it says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He wants us to be free. Freedom is good. We are, in fact, free in Messiah. But that good is not necessarily going to be exercised properly. They talk about someone being given enough rope. Well, rope can be used for very good things and for very bad things. Galatians 5.13 and following says, For brothers, we were called to be free. Only do not let that freedom be an excuse for allowing your old nature to have its way. Instead, serve one another in love. For the, to the whole of the Torah summed up in this one utterance, Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you go on snapping at each other and tearing each other to pieces, watch out or you'll be destroyed. By each other. It's been stated that the main point, the main point is when you have been compelled, when you have been compelled to submit, you should openly show that you're still free to choose by engaging in more of the same service willingly and on your own initiative. Going the extra mile in the immediate context was when a Roman soldier had had the, had the authority, the legal authority to compel you to accompany him for a mile, but being willing to go beyond that. If we are tempted to think that the submission that Kepha mandates is an unfair restriction on our freedom in Messiah, he sets us straight. Freedom. Freedom is not inconsistent with obedience to God's will, even when it is will that we submit. Romans 6, 20 through 23 says, When you were slaves of sin, you were free in relationship to righteousness. But what benefit did you derive from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end result of those things was death. However, now, freed from sin and enslaved to God, you do get the benefit. It consists in being made holy, set apart for God, and its end result is eternal life. For what one earns from sin is death. But eternal life is what one receives as a free gift from God in union with the Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. Being servants is a matter of who you serve. The, um, what do we refer to? The, the, the tractate and the Talmud which deals with 
with idolatry primarily. It's called Avodah Zarah, which can render other service. It's service, but other than the one that God appointed. But what it referred to as, as worship of Hashem is service of the heart. So they're both for service. That not as popular term, but basically it's a matter of being slaves who you submit to either way. The last verse we look at today in our main text is 1 Kepha 2.17. Be respectful to all. Keep loving the brotherhood, fearing God, and honoring the emperor. In general, we should honor all people. This, and again, this passage today is very general. It's not getting into all the specifics that some passages do. But we should honor all people as fellow children of God. Romans 13, 7 says, pay everyone what is owed if you owe the tax collector. Oh, there we are. Again, tax. Anyone work for the IRS here? But oh, if you owe the tax collector, pay your taxes. If you owe the revenue collector, pay revenue. If you owe someone respect, pay him respect. If you owe someone honor, pay him honor. The respect and honor of our fellow human beings is not just something, you know, we have a few, we have a few weeks of doing the form on respect and we can put off it for next year. But that's we have. Every day is April 15th, and, and, and that in the sense respect for fellow, our fellow children of God. We owe honor to our fellow human beings, but there's also a special love, a special honor, kavod, which we are to have for the fellowship, brotherhood of fellow believers. Back in Romans 12:9, it says, don't let love be a mere outward show. Recoil from what is evil and cling to what is good. Love each other devotedly and with brotherly love. Set examples for each other in showing respect. We sometimes play a game of one-upsmanship with each other, but instead of just trying to outdo each other in who can be funnier or who can argue more convincingly or who can make more money, I've never been that good at that, but who can be more ideologically pure, who can seem more Jewish, or even who can take a more impressive sounding scripture verse out of context <laughs> to, to support our preconceived notions. Perhaps we should channel more of that energy into seeing who can show the most respect. I see, you can see on... Um, Sometimes, I don't know, you, you see these brief, it can be whatever view you have, it can say, look at this person on this news show. They say he owns that person. How right do I do? It means they came up with a, a, click, a, quick, a quick gotcha moment where they shut the other person up. Well, maybe rhetorically that has its purposes at time, but we're not looking for who can more convincingly get the other person, get them to a gotcha moment, but who can channel most of that, more of that energy into seeing who can be the most respectful who can be the best example of lifestyle? Who can demonstrate devoted love for the fellowship for his and her brothers and sisters? And the last thing we'll look at in Michelet, the book of Proverbs 24:21 says, My son, don't get involved with revolutionaries, but fear Adonai and the king. Fear of Hashem is mandated. But so is fear of the king, fear of the authorities. In studying proper submission to human authorities, we have, a, we have a, a detailed resource in the first epistle of Kepha. While the exact nature of godly submission is not always obvious in every circumstance, and certainly not always easy, we do have general principle, both from scripture and even Jewish tradition in general, that governmental authorities are put there by whom? And to be respected. 
Like I said, the application's not always easy or obvious. There have been times in history when obeying the civil authorities clearly amounted to disobeying the clearly revealed will of God. In such a case, godly submission would mean disobeying civil authority. And it could be on the bus. Um, Steve Gold, I'll pick on you here. If Steve's a man who really builds bridges, you could say, in many different ways. But um, if he was told by one, by his immediate supervisor to do, to build it one way, but the higher authorities, he knew that was going against them, that wouldn't be as easy, but he wouldn't go against, you know, answering to a higher authority. Well, there are times when the Holocaust, most obviously, submitting to civil authorities meant disobeying a higher authority. But we're responsible before God for our actions, and responsible, we have to take the consequence of our actions. We know that in general, God is pleased when we obey the government. Those who live as servants of God have differing obligations to all men generally, believers, to God, and to the emperor. And that's when we pray most of all the highest authority when we pray, Avinu Mokeno, our father, our king, Avinu Shabbat Shemaim, our father in heaven. Shabbat Shalom.